The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now, the eleven disciples came to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And he came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us pray. Father, we believe that you inspired your servant Matthew to record these words. We believe that you inspired them for Matthew's day, but for all time. And they have power today if we will hear them. And so we pray, come Holy Spirit and open this word to us as never before that we would be changed more and more into the likeness of Christ. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to be seated. So, are we up for this? I don't know if I am, but I'm glad you are. (laughs) This week I was sitting with my uh, eldest two daughters doing a devotional time, and it was in the evening, just the two oldest, and so I said, well, let's look at the book of James. With everything that's going on, James is a very practical epistle. It's got a lot of words about overcoming hardships and trials and the challenges we face as Christians. We got to verse 2. And there I am sitting on my eldest daughter's bed with the two girls side by side. And it says, count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter trials of various kinds. I said, okay, this is good. I said, trials, girls, tell me about the trials going on for you. Blank. Nothing. And I said, okay, a little prompting. School starts next week. Nothing. New school. You don't know many people, if anybody, new church, new city, even new country, new house, nothing. (laughs) Finally, the younger of the two said, we're okay, Daddy, but do you have trials you want to talk about? (laughs) Are we up for this? Last week in a beautiful celebration of ministry, 31 years of faithful ministry with Father David and Fran Roseberry, uh, there were a number of symbols of ministry presented uh, to me on behalf of the congregation from Father David and Fran. And one of them was this page out of the 1611 King James Bible. It's an actual 1611 original. Uh, It's a page framed, it's beautiful, 
But what's amazing is it's got Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20 on it that I just read. This has been at the center of Christ church's vision and mission from the beginning. As I was looking at this symbol of ministry this week, as I was reflecting on this weekend, it dawned on me that this moment is so much bigger than simply transitioning well. This moment is so much bigger than just saying, okay, can we maintain what we've got? It would be a horrible underestimation of God's purposes and plans for us to say, all we're asking for is that things just go smoothly. We stay who we are. We don't lose any ground. That would be a huge underestimation of who God is. God has never put before his disciples a call to maintain, a call to stay the same, a call to just keep doing what you're doing. God has put before his disciples always these words, the Great Commission. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. That is what the Lord puts before our community. We are called in this next season to continue with this great commission-sized call before us. And as we look at the Great Commission, which I read just a few moments ago, we see three things. Three things we see in this Great Commission. Number one, that we are called to a big mission. But secondly, that we are totally inadequate for that mission. Thirdly, thankfully, that Jesus has great comfort for inadequate missionaries. It's a big mission we're called to. We're totally inadequate, if we're honest. But Jesus has great comfort for inadequate missionaries. So we're called to a big mission, first of all. We're called to a big mission. One of the greatest failures, I think, in the church, at least in later recent years, has been to take that word mission and believe that it is, it is an activity that takes place somewhere else far from here that you probably have to take a plane to get to. That's mission. That is mission. But mission is also five inches from you, right in front of you, your next door neighbor, your school as we go into a school year. Do we see in this school year ahead an opportunity for mission. Oh Lord, new people to meet, new mission opportunities before us. Do we believe that mission is something that we are all called to? I remember when I was in seminary in Vancouver at Regent College years ago, I didn't know what to say to people when they asked me, what are you training for? Because in Vancouver, a very highly secularized city, I mean, Canada is pretty secular, but Vancouver is off the chart secular. If I told them I was training to be a pastor or a priest, that would not really go over very well. 
And so I said, well, how do I do this in a winsome way? And so I'd be on the bus and I'd meet someone. They'd say, so what are you studying? And I'd say, well, I'm studying to be a missionary. And amazingly, 50% or so or more would say, oh, that's very interesting. It was, it was still an okay word to use. And they'd say, where, where are you going to be a missionary? And I said, oh, right here. <laughs> and then they'd look at me and realize, okay, you're, you're playing with words. I said, no, 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 we're all called a missionary. And then they realize you're just... You're just playing around. But it's true, though. I mean, I love that. We're missionaries, each and every one of us. We're called to that. There's not a disciple of Jesus Christ who is not in mission or meant to be. But this mission we're on is a big one. It's huge. It's enormous. When you look at Matthew 25, 28, verses 19 to 20, Jesus lays out what this mission looks like. Here, this is why it's the Great Commission. Not just because it's great, but it's great. Go into all nations. Okay, so let's stop there. All nations. He's talking to this little band of 11 disciples and says, you're going to go everywhere. You are going to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And do you know what happened? Within a couple generations, they had. They turned the world upside down, as Acts 17 says. All nations. But because the world's got so small today and we live in a global world and a very international community that lives right here in Plano now, this idea of reaching all nations is not that crazy for us. So let me try this. If Jesus was standing here today, he might say, go make disciples of all nations, including all socioeconomic categories, all people groups, all kinds of people that you may never regularly interact with. That's where this is going. You see, suddenly we go, wow, okay. I was big on the nations thing. But everybody, mission, everyone to everyone, everywhere. It's huge. It's an audacious size mission. You're starting to feel a little inadequate? Good. But it's not just all nations. It's the word to make disciples, baptize, and teach. So it's not enough for us to say that the mission is to introduce people to Jesus. That's part of it. Not enough. No, you can't just introduce them and they can have a warm moment and say, I think I'm okay with Jesus. No, we want to get them baptized, which means full commitment. They need to be fully bought in. They need to say, yes, I want to literally go underwater, drowning to sin, come up, Born to new life, I want to be a baptized person. I want to be sealed and marked. I want to be a living, breathing example in this world that God's kingdom is really at work. That's what it means to be baptized. I want to be a baptized, totally sold out Christian. So not only that, it's getting harder, isn't it? But then even further, he says, teach them everything that I commanded you. Everything. Everything, Jesus everything. And it doesn't just mean get it in their heads, it means get it into their lives. That our very lives are meant to look nothing less than like Jesus' own life. That all that Jesus taught, all that Jesus lived is meant to grow up in these baptized disciples. And that, friends, will take an entire lifetime. It is, it is, a, it is a, a life that will never be satisfied We'll never say, oh, I guess I've graduated from the Jesus school. No, there's only students because there's always more to learn. We're moving from one degree of glory 
to the next. There's always more for us to learn. This is the size of the commission that Jesus gives us. All nations teach them everything. It's big. Everything's bigger in Texas. It's big. And we're totally inadequate for this. You see, the group that Jesus is talking to here, his 11 disciples, are not exactly the A team. I don't think they're really the B team either. As we've seen through the pages of the New Testament, these disciples fall and fail again and again. They don't understand what Jesus is talking about. I often used to say to youth ministers, forgive me if I've told this before, but I used to tell youth ministers, you know, if you're starting a youth ministry or if you're a church planter starting at a new church and you just got a little group of people gathering, you can only get 12 and you feel like most weeks they don't understand a thing you're saying, uh, they're, they're never getting the point, they keep massively morally screwing up and you're pretty sure that one of them is out to kill you, you have Jesus' ministry. <laughs> That's his team. And look what he does with it. It turns the world upside down. And yet we see in verse 16 that these disciples don't exactly feel very adequate, do they? Verse 16, now the 11 disciples, and we have to stop right there. 11 disciples? How many disciples? 11. Can you imagine Matthew penning that? Now the 11 disciples. Disciples. Because every time Matthew has penned a number next to the disciples before, what has he written? Twelve. There have been twelve. These twelve that followed so closely with Jesus these three years, they were a core, they were a unit. Sure, they were a bunch of failures, but they had each other. They were together with Jesus. And here they are on this mountain in Galilee, and they look around. Eleven. What does that immediately tell them? Judas. That's what's happened. Judas has happened. Judas, one of the twelve, has gone and betrayed Jesus and has now gone off and hung himself. We are not complete any longer. We are eleven. But don't think that they're just thinking of Judas. Oh, Judas is the problem. No, no. Judas's absence reminds those left over eleven of their own behavior in the last 72 hours. Jesus, in his darkest moments, had all his friends abandon him. In fact, Peter took a vow three times, saying he didn't even know him. This is the group that stands on that mountain in Galilee on the day of the resurrection. This is this 11 group, incomplete, fallible, or as one commentator says, 11-ish. They're feeling very 11-ish. Do you ever feel 11-ish? Incomplete? Not the A team. Not the B team. But verse 17, it gets even worse. It's not just that they're incomplete and 11-ish. It says, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. But that's not really how the Greek reads. See, when you first read it, I used to think, oh, well, there's some worshipping Jesus, and there's others, Thomas, Doubting. I'd like to make sure I'm in the worshiping category, but that's not really what it says. It really says, best reading is, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but had some doubts. In other words, the worshiping and doubting was not in certain groups. It's not binary. It's not black and white. It's mixed together. They're worshiping and they're doubting. 
Jesus, you're raised from the dead. We can't help but worship you. We know, obviously, that you must be God. But man, we got some major doubts. Not only are they 11-ish, but they're doubtful, inadequate for what God is about to put before them. Do you ever feel like this? If you don't ever feel 11-ish or doubtful in the face of the mission that God has put before us, then maybe you're not actually listening to the the vision that God has put before us. I mean, if you feel completely at ease with what God has put before you, then maybe you need to listen again. Because God has a tendency to give us God-sized visions. We're great at taking his God-sized visions and saying, well, that's impossible. And then we reduce it down to a human-sized vision and say, well, we'll do, do that. And that's workable, and that works in my schedule, and that doesn't take too much sacrifice. But if we actually embrace the greatness of this commission, if we embrace the God-sized vision put before us, you and I will feel at times sorely inadequate before it. And we're in good company when we do. We read from Jeremiah just a moment ago. Jeremiah's call into ministry. The Lord says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. And what is Jeremiah's response? Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a youth. I'm inadequate for this vision, for this mission. Moses felt like this. Isaiah felt like this. Paul felt like this. And friends, you and I, before this great commission, will feel like this at times. It's a big mission and we are inadequate. But thanks be to Jesus, he gives us hope and comfort. Jesus never calls us to something and doesn't give us the power and the grace to complete it. And here's what he does. He gives us comfort in verses 18, 19, and 20. And the comfort is found when we look at what Jesus says. In 18, 19, and 20, Jesus is talking about two things. First, he talks about the mission commander. He talks about himself. Verse 18, let me tell you about myself, the mission commander. And then he says, now I'll tell you about the mission commands, the great commission. Go, make disciples, baptize, teach. Mission commander, Mission commands, two parts. But in the middle, there's a wonderful word that the entire good news hinges on. A tiny little word in between verse 18 and verse 19. Three-letter word in Greek. In English, it's the word therefore. Let me show you what I mean. Let's start with the mission commander. Verse 18, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. Now, this word authority is Matthew's favorite word for describing the ministry of Jesus. He taught them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Jesus' authority here, the word authority in the Bible, the biblical view of authority here, is executive power. It's the ability to not just give commands, but to have the power to see those commands followed through. A good word that the Bible uses sometimes for this word is dominion. 
that he has dominion. In other words, full control, full power, full dominion, that he can give a command and see it happen. That's what authority looks like in the Bible, dominion. And in Daniel chapter 7, we get a picture of the dominion, the authority that was being expected of the Messiah whenever he would come. As Israel waited, longing in exile for a redeemer to appear, Daniel gets this vision. And in it, it talks about the Son of Man and it talks about the Ancient of Days. Ancient of Days being the Lord, Yahweh. And this language of a Son of Man. Interestingly, Son of Man becomes Jesus' favorite self-designation. He uses it more than any other description. Listen to these words from Daniel 7 talking about authority. Daniel says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, all nations, and all languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. This word authority could today be described as saying that Jesus is the CEO, the chief executive officer of what? all heaven and all earth, which is a biblical way of saying everything. Jesus is the CEO of the universe. He is the executive authority over all. There is nothing that is outside of his dominion. That's what he's declaring in verse 17. I have full authority over everything. In our new liturgy, we're using this morning. This is the Anglican Church of North America's liturgy. It's very similar to what we've used. The only difference, one of the differences, is in the Eucharistic prayer, I love it, we affirm every Sunday that as Jesus, on these days leading up to this day of resurrection in Matthew 28, that Jesus, bearing the sins of humanity on the cross, dying, bearing that burden, that guilt, that sin, goes to hell, breaks the chains of hell, the gates of hell, rises again, overcomes death, and then stands here before his disciples and said, all authority, all dominion in heaven and earth has been given to me. And we say in our liturgy now every Sunday, he trampled under his feet Satan and death. And I'm glad we do that because I need to be reminded that every time we gather, that Jesus has put all enemies under his feet, all authority, all dominion. That's who the mission commander is. And then in verse 19, he says, so go, make disciples, baptize, teach. There's the mission commands. But like I said, in between, there's this amazing little word, therefore. And you want to say, why are you making such a big deal about the word therefore, Paul? Really, who cares? It is monumental. When you read the Bible, God doesn't waste ink. When you read the Bible, you've always, when you see a therefore, you've got to ask, what is the therefore therefore? 
because it's huge. Therefore, it's a very important conjunction. What it means, to put you back in grammar school, therefore means that whatever I just said is the foundation, is the root, is the strength of everything I'm about to say. I'm about to say something important, but what I just said is the foundation, the root, the energy, the driver behind whatever I'm about to say. Here I am, the mission commander, therefore, here's the mission commands. You following me? I have all authority in heaven and on earth, all dominion. Therefore, you go out into all of that earth and heavens, go into that dominion, baptize, make disciples, and teach. Because of my authority, you go. You go in the power of my command. I have commanded you to go. I have all authority. I, the same one who back in Genesis 1-3 said, let there be light, and behold, there was light, have now said, I have all authority. Go. Make disciples baptize, teach. And you know what's happened, friends? Over 2,000 years, the mission commander's commands have happened. They've taken place with inadequate disciples, with inadequate missionaries, because the mission commander has all the authority we need. It's not about our adequacy for mission. It's about his authority sending us into mission. It's not about our adequacy in mission. It's about his authority sending us into mission. But it gets even better because it's not just that his authoritative word sends us into mission. I've told you to go. Who sent you? I mean, you ever think about that? When you're thinking about, do I, do I go into mission? There's a missional moment here. There's an evangelism moment, a compassionate moment, a moment to outreach. In that moment, do you ever just, if you're feeling a bit nervous, do you ever just say, okay, okay, Paul, just, just remember, who sent you? All authority in heaven and earth, I am sending you. But as amazing as that is, it's not just his authoritative word sending us, that one with all the authority, all dominion. He goes with us too. He doesn't leave us. Verse 20, and behold, another great biblical word. Every time you see behold, Saying, pay attention, look, God doesn't waste ink, look, behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. That this one who has all authority, all dominion, not only gives us that authoritative command to go into, into this commission, but he walks with us every step of the way. He's not left us as orphans. He's with us. As you go in mission and you wonder in that moment, oh Lord, do I have the strength in this missional moment to open my mouth and, and say something that could be a blessing, that could ask a question to begin a conversation, that could lead a person to ask the right questions about Jesus, about eternal life, about what really matters. In that moment when you're struggling, friends, do you realize the CEO of the universe has promised that he's right there with you? I mean, can you imagine if our, we could get our imaginations around this? If we could really allow our imaginations to grab a hold of the fact that the king of the universe, the king of the cosmos, who has all dominion, has commanded us, a key word, commanded us, to go and be in mission, and that he's right there with us. I have a friend of mine in Ottawa 
who when he prays, just to make the point clearly, every time he prays, doing his devotions in the morning, he pours himself two cups of coffee, one on this side of the table and one on that side of the table, and over coffee, he talks to the Lord. And you may say that's kind of weird, but for him it's a way of saying, I need a reminder that he's right here. I will never leave you or forsake you. As I was thinking this week about this ability to grow our imaginations, to, to believe in that, to, to, to see and believe in each and every moment that we have been commanded by the king of the cosmos into mission and that that king stands with us in every moment. Oh, Lord, that my imagination could see that as I go into this school year ahead, as I go into this season, as we go into a season before us as Christ church, the words of a song were going through my head. You'll get used to this. You'll get used to this. Sometimes music just imprints on our hearts in powerful ways. And these, these words were running through my head this week. Oh, Lord, grow our imaginations that you have, you, oh, Lord Jesus, have sent us in a mission. You, oh, Lord Jesus, are with us in this great commission. Fear not, I am with thee. Oh, be not dismayed. For I am thy God and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. The soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose I will not, I will not desert to its foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no never, no never forsake. So are we up for this? It's so much bigger than transitioning well. It's so much bigger than maintaining what we have. It's nothing less than the Great Commission before us, Christ Church. And we are totally inadequate on our own. Thanks be to God that He in his authority has sent us. And he, in his authority, will be with us. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Yes, we are up for this. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.